0: Hi, and welcome to Screens and Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana, and today we're talking about The Handmaid's Tale Season 4. I have a guest co-host joining me today. Her name is Jen Trepik. She is the host of Salad with a Cider Fries podcast that talks about wellness and weight loss for real life. I've listened to the podcast. I love it. She gives great, practical, informed advice, and she has so much energy, and I'm so excited to have her join me today. Hello, Jen. Hi,
1: thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm such a TV junkie. This is like the perfect place for us to chat.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, I know. We met in a podcast community, and I was um, talking about maybe needing some guest co host and you were like... Yes, I love TV.
1: I love these shows. And so, I have a problem with television. I don't even have live TV anymore. Like, I got rid of cable, pro- I mean, before that was a thing, you yeah. know, maybe even, you know, 10 years ago-ish. And it it's, doesn't even matter. <laughs> I still watch so much TV. I,
0: well, you don't have to tell me, because that's right. all I do. I mean, that is really my my downtime, too. I just love it so much. And so we were trying to figure out what are we going to talk about? Because there were several things that we both really loved. But with Handmaid's Tale season four, just wrapping up, I thought, oh, I really want to have a conversation about this. So yeah, I thought this would be just great.
1: Well, I'm excited. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. So I just most people that are probably listening have watched Handmaid's Tale. But For those just dropping in and wanting to listen to something, I wanted to give them just a brief recap of the last three seasons before we jump in. So, um, and we also want to talk about what drew us to this particular uh, show. So it's based on the best-selling novel by Margaret Atwood, and the series is set in Gilead, formerly the U.S. It's a, a totalitarian society where birth rates have plummeted and women are slaves and... All their rights are taken away and uh, their families and they're forced to bear children with their wealthy commanders and their wives. So in season one, we meet June, uh, the protagonist, and her husband, Luke, and Hannah. And then we come to learn of her life Uh, as a handmaid, uh, and her name is now Offred. She's assigned to Commander Fred Waterford and his wife, Serena. And Fred can't impregnate June. So Serena arranges Nick for the driver to sleep with June. And then June and Nick form a relationship, and uh, she gets pregnant. And so here comes season two. There's a deadly explosion. A lot of commanders and handmaids are killed. And June gives birth after seeing her daughter, Hannah, and Aunt Lydia. Emily stabs Aunt Lydia, which was huge because we didn't know what was happening to her in that season. And then Nick's wife, Eden, is executed. And Emily, who is off Glenn, escapes with baby Nicole while June decides to stay. Um, And I interpret that as because she doesn't want to leave without Hannah. Yep. So, and then in season three... The Waterfords are captured. June kills Commander Winslow, which was huge and uh, graphic. And then um, June and Rita smuggle a bunch of children across the border to Canada. And we see that June is shot. So in saying all of that, if that doesn't draw you into the show, I don't know really what does. (laughs) But I think for me, I'm always amazed at how people cope and what people do to survive and how they survive. And I always put myself into their shoes and I wonder what I would do. And so half the time I'm like, yes, yes. And I'm like, no, no, depending on what character it is. And actually, that's what I love about my other favorite show is The Walking Dead dealing with an apocalypse. It's what do you do as a survivor? How do you cope? Are you? What does that turn you into? And so that happens here, too. What
1: does this life turn you into? What are you willing to do? Well, or what's required just to survive, right? All of a sudden, thriving isn't isn't what we're going for. We're literally looking for survival. And for me, I read the book, The Handmaid's Tale in high school. So it made me – and what's so interesting is like sometimes reading a book in school ruins it, right? Like when you dissect the whole thing. But for some reason with this one, dissecting it made it so much better. You know, and starting to read into all the characters and what little things mean and all those kinds of pieces. So it made me like a a huge Margaret Atwood fan. I started reading all of her books after that. Um, But so when the show first came out, I was like, well, I definitely have to watch it. And really, the book is really just season one. So everything after that, they've sort of Made up, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I know they did work with Margaret Atwood in some of this. And so I do feel like to some degree, they've really done justice to these characters and what, you know, what the next steps could have or would have been after, you know, what Atwood wrote. But admittedly, when the season started and a few, like part of the way through the season, I was like, okay, enough already. Like we need to get some progress.
0: No, I totally get that. I agree with that. So let's dig in to season four. And so the first episode is The Pigs. So, of course, June is bleeding out. She has this gunshot wound. The handmaids gather her up and get her to um, a safe house where they meet Mrs. Keys, who is Esther, who's an interesting young character. And meanwhile, the Waterfords are held in Canada And they're still drinking the juice. I I kept thinking that this might change them somewhat, but I don't feel it did at all. Uh, And so Aunt Lydia is interrogated because she was in charge of the handmaids that, you know, in charge of June and all the ones that escaped, of course. Yeah. So, but she's set free. I think what stood out to me was the relationship between June and Esther and how she really looked up to her and how she, uh, this young woman who is very young, I'm not even sure how old she is, young. but you can see her immaturity at times, but then you can also see how she's had to grow up really fast at times, and which is heartbreaking. And so... We see both of that, but she really wants June to be this warrior, like, right away. And she's like, oh, what are you going to do? What's next? You know, how are we going to resist Gilead and everything? And so I think June is a little bit more like, okay, wait, we got to figure out the steps and figure out how we're going to do this before we jump in. And, you know, Esther's kind of like, oh,
1: really? I I sort of felt like Esther was so young and immature that June was like, I can point you in the right direction and use you to my advantage.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's exactly. But with her being the female leader of that safe house, she, you know, kind of what she said goes. So she Mm -hmm. had to be careful, kind of tipped out around her a little bit, just like with that scene with her um, and uh, Janine. So with her eating Mm -hmm. the pork and, Covering her mouth to not let her spit it out. And uh, it just kind of shows you, you know, what she's willing to do and go through. And then, of course, June has that um, interaction with her, telling her, you don't know what she's been through. And then that's when Esther tells her what she's been through. And so then June understands that. And when they capture that guardian Mm -hmm. um, and realize he was one of the men that raped Esther... Man, that's when June gives her that knife and says, make mama proud. Right. It was shocking to me in a way. What'd you think about
1: that? I mean, I loved it because I'm, you know, I'm at this point in watching this show. I'm like, something's got to happen. Like it's enough already. There's only so much, like even in watching it, there's only so much pain you can take, you know? And so at some point. I can appreciate that they're trying to draw attention to the fact that like, this is their reality. And so they don't, it is what it is, even though we as the viewer are ready to like move on to the next thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, but yeah. it, it gets to be painful. So also seeing that it also put some of the um, wives and handmaids on even playing field, right? Like nobody is getting out of this unscathed right. in any way. You know, we're all more alike in this dystopian society than we realize.
0: I know. Exactly. Yeah. And so then in episode two, Nightshade, those guardians come looking for the one that's missing. And then June realizes that they have to leave, but they have to kind of plan it out. And she finds out that Esther knows how to make this poison and that she's been slowly poisoning her husband, Which I think we were led to believe that he was just getting senile, but then we realized it wasn't just that. And so June decides to take this poison and go to Jezebel and uh, spike the alcohol that the commanders are drinking from and then leaves. So it's just slowly getting back at all the people that are running Gilead. And then meanwhile... We see what's happening in Canada with Serena, and she keeps defending her husband, which is so crazy to me, uh, because they ask her, has your husband abused you? And she just makes light of it. But then she has this blood work taken, and we find out that she is, in fact, pregnant, which was interesting to me. She had never been pregnant before, and now all of a sudden she's pregnant, that was interesting. And Not going to lie. At
1: first, I thought maybe it was like one of the Canadian guards' yes! babies because I was like, they don't have sex. So like, whose baby is it? Like, I thought that was yeah. going to be a thing. It wasn't. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I love it that we can speculate, right? We're like, right. could it be this? Could it be that? What's happening? Yeah. And so June arrives back at the safe house and immediately the well, he's a guardian, but he's actually a rebel. And he shot right next to her and blood splatters all over her face. And she's like, what's happening? Because she knew something was happening when they drove up. They could tell something wasn't right. And uh, no one seems to be around. And then all of a sudden, there's all these red dots on her. You know, they've got their like aim the lasers on her with their from guns. the guns. Yes, yeah. exactly. And... uh Then she sees someone approaching and it's Nick. And then he bends over and says, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to save you. And I'm like, you are? I I don't know. I, I know he has to act the part, but then I don't know sometimes. Sometimes I don't know who to trust.
1: Totally. So essentially, right, so we end the episode and it's clear that they're all being captured and taken back to Gilead right? Like from the safe house. So the next episode, so episode three is called the crossing. And between you and me, the name of this episode should have been called torture. Like it was torture (laughs) to watch everything in the episode was torture. Like it was painful. So essentially everybody comes back. All of the handmaids who were at this safe house in June are all taken back to Gilead. And a couple of the handmaids ran And didn't end up back. So this whole torture sequence of this episode is about getting June to tell them where the, where these other handmaids are, Mm -hmm. right? They didn't get everybody. So, and, you know, of course, Aunt Lydia is back in the picture and, you know, tries to play this motherly figure. It's so gross. Um, so the first round of torture. So Aunt Lydia comes to see June. Aunt Lydia steps out the door. This other guy comes in who's referred to only as Lieutenant. So he starts to torture her. So he asks a question. She won't tell him where they are. He, like, punches her, like, right in the chest, you know. And then he waterboards her. So this is, like, torture round one. (laughs) So then... I thought thought they were
0: going to rape her or something.
1: That was my...
0: Especially because she was wearing that gown Yeah, I felt like she was so exposed. I'm like, oh, no,
1: what are they going to do? I mean, it's just all of it is so gross. And then so Aunt Lydia comes back in and in an effort, again, to try to, like, convince June to tell, you know, where they are, you know, Aunt Lydia at some point is like, you know, well, this is all your fault, and June's like, Mm-mm. <laughs> it is all your fault, my friend. But so, long story short, the next round of torture would be, which we've seen before, where they go to pull your fingernails out, and uh, so June just can't take it, so she gives them something, and it's fake information, but she tells them that they're all hiding in a library in Vermont, then find out that that's not true, right? So next round of torture, I think we're on round three at this point, right? So then next thing is June's being taken in an elevator, and we have no idea where she's going. Turns out they take her up to like this roof, right? So you can picture the scene. It's pouring rain, dark outside. You know, there's these two other handmaids who are standing on the ledge of this roof. And they're basically saying, Oh, and there's also like a helicopter, right? So you have like the sound of the helicopter, these lights from the... I mean, it's like the sound of it is enough to drive you crazy. Then you're watching these two women standing on the edge of a building, like wherever they are. So they're saying, you know, June, if you don't tell us where they are, like now you're going to kill these women. So both of those women basically say to her, say to June, like, do not say anything. You know, each in turn and each in turn is pushed off the roof. And it's it's just crazy. So then back inside, torture round four, June is put into this small box with holes in it. And it's interesting because I was reading some things, you know, um, like commentary on the episode. Mm-hmm. And they notice so when she so she's in this box and she starts like humming to herself, heaven is a place on earth. Ah, yes. And so this commentary referenced that it was a callback to when she was in the hospital in season 3, which like I did not put together when I was watching. But I was like, "Okay, super fan." <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I appreciate this, but I didn't notice it. Um so then there's and the idea of her singing this is also sort of like pointing to the psychological trauma you know of everything she's been to been through. So now she's in this box and they then take her out of the box, hooded, carry her somewhere and you're like where is she going? So then she ends up at this table with Commander Lawrence. So he's the one for anybody who remembers who she was his handmaid for a while and they really they got each other and mm-hmm. he's not totally lost in the Gilead ways. Mm-hmm. So they end up having this dinner or, well, let me say, he eats, she sits there, (laughs) you know, and he kind of explains to her what's going on. And basically, as a result of everything that's happened, commanders are in the hospital. Many are dead. If she doesn't start to cooperate they're, they are threaten to hurt her daughter, Hannah. So Hannah is the daughter from her and Luke, you know, previous to this dystopian society taking over. Right. So what's interesting is, and this, I think, you know, ties back later to things in the season because so June says to um, Commander Lawrence, like, they're not going to hurt a child. And he says, basically, no, no, no. They don't really care about kids, right? They only care about power and control. And so it sort of hits oh her. What? I, I got chills when you said that. I'm so serious. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I totally got chills. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, but I mean, and that's what it is, right? It's They care about the powerful, the power, the faithfulness, you know, their homemade bread, like that archaic world, and they'll do anything to protect it. So essentially she leaves and is like, grow screw yourself, you know, by calling it the ceremony, right? She says, go have the ceremony with yourself. Um
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, you know, he's like, look, I thought we could avoid this, you know, so not so much. So then June's taken away. Separate from all of this, which June doesn't realize, is that Nick convinces Commander Lawrence to help him save her. Yeah. And so there's also like this plot happening in the background. Meanwhile, next round of torture, because God forbid we go, you know, a few minutes without any. So then June is taken to this room where her daughter Hannah is in a glass box. And Hannah's in there with a doll. And essentially the long and the short of this scene is it is excruciating to watch because this child does not recognize Mm -hmm. her mother hmm. And, you know, June's trying to say to her, like, you're going to be OK. I'll always love you. Those kinds of things. And this young girl is just petrified of whoever this person is on the other side of the glass. Nevertheless, right. They, you know, convince June that Hannah's going to be safe. But clearly she's not convinced. Right. And she knows. So then now we're getting to the end of the episode. Basically, um, all of the Oh, it's determined that all of the handmaids that were captured are going to be taken to basically what they're now calling a Magdalene colony, where the commanders and their wives will go visit them once a month for the ceremony instead of these handmaids living in these homes. So June calls it a breeding colony. And we're Mm -hmm. like, yes, exactly. So now on the way, right, so all of these handmaids are being taken to what's going to become This breeding colony. June and Nick have this moment of like, we love each other. This crazy dramatic kiss. It's sort of weird because you're like, do you? Like, what is happening? Why are we having this moment? But whatever. (laughs) So then the car pulls up. June has to get inside. So now Aunt Lydia is in the back with all these handmaids. And there's a guardian driving this truck to like take them to this new Magdalene colony. There's a railroad crossing, hence the name of the episode, The Crossing. The bar is down so the, the they can't drive. The commander driving the truck gets out to go to the bathroom and like relieve himself on the side of the road. And you just see all the handmaids start to look at each other and look at Linus Kane. And they're like, without words, they plot this takeover. So essentially, they just look at each other and then all jump at the same moment June holds Aunt Lydia down with the cane. Everybody runs out. Meanwhile, they're, like, shackled, but they're running. Yeah. So this catches the attention of the Guardian. So now he shoots a couple of them, and they're down. And they're all running, and the train is coming. June and Janine make it over the tracks, and a few of them are hit by the train. I mean, it is one of those, like adrenaline is on high because you are just rooting for these people, but you see the bad news coming and you yeah. just like, I, I feel like that episode ended and I was like, oh my god. I don't know. It was a lot.
0: I, I gosh, I totally agree. I thought it was actually kind of beautiful too because of the colors. You know how they filmed it? Mm-hmm. Uh, their red cloaks and just they're running and the train going by and seeing just that the two of them make it yeah. past and Oh, it was heartbreaking. And I know Janine wanted to go back. Yeah. And June's all, no, 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 we got to keep going. We got to keep going. Yeah. But... Janine
1: wanted to go back to like, try to pick up the girls who were shot or whoever, you know, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah.
0: I, you know, uh, June had a moment there with Aunt Lydia and she could have yeah, done her in, but she didn't. She just... Thought I gotta we gotta get out of here. Let's go. But I thought, oh my gosh, you had picking your battles. I
1: think I know. (laughs) (laughs) Interestingly, so in reading, you know, the commentary and whatever. Apparently, this was the first episode that Elizabeth Moss directed. So I thought she did a phenomenal job. And by the way, what a difficult episode to direct, and then to direct yourself in that episode too. I just I give her so much credit.
0: I agree. And there's a few more episodes that she directs after this because I kept saying her name. Because I sit and I watch, you know, as the credits go up. And uh, I saw her name like four times, three or four times. I thought, and I thought the same thing. Wow, she's directing and acting in this. Man, that's incredible.
1: Yeah. So then the next episode, so moving along. So basically... They cross the train tracks and they get to a point where June has to figure out where she and Janine are going to go. They get to this train station because they're like running along the tracks and they jump on a train headed for Chicago. And in trying to get on this train, like they climb up and like go into one of the, I guess it's a car, but it's not, it's a cargo train. It's not like a passenger train. Right. And they end up in this thing that's supposed to be like a vat of milk. And so, essentially, they spend a majority of this episode, like, swimming around in this milk and, like, having conversations. And I think the interesting piece was that, you know, Janine basically pulls it out of June The June ultimately told them where they were. You know, mm-hmm. after seeing her daughter in the glass case, she gave up where they were. And, you know, Janine basically pulls that out of her. And so – um. You know, long story short, they get to Chicago, right? Oh, by the way, in reading some of the commentary, so what was really in that, you know, in this thing as the set was not milk, but unsweetened vanilla soft serve mixed with water. What? That they were trying to create something that would be like opaque enough that you couldn't see their red costume, you know, their red clothes under the surface? Yeah. But didn't have like sediment that was going to settle. Like one of the actresses ended up with like a rash from like spending the <gasps> wow. day in this stuff. But oh my gosh. Interesting. That is interesting. Right. So then while they're on this train, we flashed to Canada. So Rita was the, oh, the Martha, like basically like the housekeeper for Fred and Serena. So Rita is in Canada, was part of the crew that escaped, right? So Rita's in Canada and ends up basically going to see Serena. And so you have this really interesting conversation and sort of the first time that we're seeing these people like confront each other in a different world. You know, so I thought it was really interesting and you can see how like when – Rita first goes in there, she sort of reverts to like the the subservient role and then sort of remembers like, wait a minute, (laughs) you know, like I don't have – that's not how this works anymore. Right. And, you know, Serena tries to be like, oh, I miss you, da-da-da, and, you know, Rita's like not having it after a while. So then towards the end, she basically says, you know, happy for you and the baby and – you know, needs to get out. She's like, I can't get sucked back into this. And then later, actually, Rita also meets with Fred. And at this, now she, like, remembers she is over it. You know, she doesn't mm-hmm. fall into his thing. And he basically is like, you know, oh, it's nice to see a friendly face. And she's like, we're not friends. And I was like, yes! You know, <laughs> it was like, thank God. You know, and then the episode ends you know, we flash back to June, but the episode ends with Rita eating this meal of like sushi and a Coke or soda, whatever it was, and like it's just so the opposite of Gilead that it it was like a nice bookend to be like, this is a different place, mm-hmm. you know. But meanwhile, June and Janine get to Chicago and find these people who. I mean, they're also fighting against Gilead, but they are sort of their own bizarre resistance group that, you know, is struggling to figure things out. So anyway, June and Janine get on the back of a truck with these people and get taken to wherever they live, for lack of a better word, in Chicago. And basically, the guy who runs that organization is like, you know, first of all, June isn't sure if they're May Day or something else. Turns out they're something else. But essentially, they basically ask for sexual favors in order f- to help, you know, and feed and, you know, June and Janine. And June is like, I'm sorry, no. And Janine does it. Yeah, And it was interesting, but I think it's, you know, I think it's June or Janine's way of, you know, being like, look, I can participate in helping this too. You know, you don't care. You care. I don't. Here's what I can contribute because I don't care. Yeah. That was episodes three and four.
0: (sighs) Yeah. That was so intense. Yeah. Well, with uh, Stephen, I think his name is Stephen. Yes. Yes. Part of that rebel group. uh, He did want sexual favors, but he said he wasn't going to force June to do it. And so... he said, you can just leave. I'm not going to force you. And so she was willing to leave. But yeah, it was Janine who said, mm-hmm. well, didn't tell her. She just went and did it and came yeah. back and said, we can uh, we can stay. He thought my mm-hmm. patch was cool. <laughs>
1: right. Which is, so- you know, but it's also like that comment, too, was also so sad to me, you know, that he thought her eye patch was cool. He didn't think your eye patch was cool. But you're believing that because it's somebody other than the abuse that you've been taking. Like, yeah, that was heartbreaking to me, too, in a weird way.
0: It is. But I feel like Janine felt at least empowered because it was still her choice. Yes. Whatever she wanted to do, it was her choice to do it. She chose to do that, so right, and
1: she and was, he, and I think she was yeah. contributing right to their survival and their next steps, and that was a big thing for her because for three and a half seasons, we've seen her sort of just June dragging her along,
0: right, exactly. So now she gets to make decisions, but that leads us into the next episode, Chicago, mm-hmm. where June is looking for more active rebels while Janine tries to fit in with the group of survivors and it's interesting that they you see them on different paths because Janine wants to stay there, she wants to create a life. But June is so focused on what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. She wants to take Gilead down any way she can and and just find more people to build a bigger army. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. lack of a better word. And so But Janine tells June that she's bossy and judgmental, which she is. She is being Mm -hmm. that way. And you see a (laughs) shift, which is good, because in season four, I feel like there's a real shift in June in how she's reacting to everything. And she is pushing people and wanting people to to come or to see things her way. Mm -hmm. And like I said, she's extremely focused. And so they talk and Janine decides to stay and June leaves on her own. And then we see back with Aunt Lydia. Oh, my gosh. She is back in charge of handmaids. And she gets like teary eyed, like, oh, this is my calling. Purpose, this is again. what I love. Yeah. Yes. And it was killing me. Killing me mm-hmm. watching Aunt Lydia get what she wants and thinking she really has drank the juice and wholeheartedly believes in it and everything. Yeah. That is one thing. She totally believes in it. Where you where you know other people sway or think different things. No. Aunt Lydia is there for all of that. Yes. And then she tried to blackmail Commander Lawrence by, you know, in order to get back to being a, uh,
1: mm-hmm. a, an
0: aunt, an active aunt overseeing the handmaids. And uh, but he ends up using her knowledge for his own benefit, which yep. I love. I love I, it's always unexpected to me how he I never know whether to trust him fully, but I love where he's coming from. Yeah. Um, he always just steps back and looks at things as to what's going to benefit him no matter what side it's on. Uh Totally. He figures out his way. And so he the ce- there's a ceasefire that is approved by the council and that, which is something that Commander Lawrence had suggested and they shot it down the first time but now that he has new information he's able to get back on the on the council and Nick says, "Oh, let's bring this up," and they approve it. And he's kind of surprised that it, it's gone through so smoothly. But they do tell him, "Oh, you're in charge of the bombing before the ceasefire," and he's wondering, "What? We're having a ceasefire?" And they thought, "Yeah, but we're gonna, you know, bomb them and teach them a lesson before we get right. In we're the gonna ceasefire. go like
1: crazy, and then a ceasefire."
0: <laughs> yes. So, but unfortunately, the bombing's going to happen where June is at. So we go back to seeing where June is at. She's traveling the roads. It's really stark there. There's nobody out. She, she, she hears something. She hides behind underneath a car. And then all of a sudden she sees Janine. So Janine reunites with her and says, you know, handmaids uh, walk in twos or travel in, in twos. So um, Janine probably had second thoughts about staying where she was and joined Um, June, but, Mm -hmm. but they notice things are odd. People have left food. Why would you leave food when food is so scarce and you need it? So then they're like, something's going on. They hear the airplanes and then they just start running because bombing starts to occur and they run and run and run until one, just one bomb blows up. And then, you know, all you see is dust everywhere. And um, June starts to wake up, but can't find Janine. She just hears people moaning and groaning. You can tell they're hurt. And she keeps looking for her. She calls for her. She can't find her. Uh, you see that there are people there helping uh, the injured. And uh, one of the people ends up being Moira. And she turns around and says, June? And of course, June is still dazed and confused, but you're like, "Oh my god, she found her!" Which this was, was so... like the moment
1: we've been waiting for for three years. Like... Yes,
0: yes, I was like, "Oh my gosh, she found her! She found her!" But then, going into uh, episode six, vows. I think this is a really big episode. I thought a yes. lot happened. I really enjoyed this episode. It explores. Moira and June's uh, friendship Mm -hmm. and and Luke and June's relationship. And also June finally escaping uh, Gilead and setting foot in Canada. So all of that happens in this episode. Um, So I kind of, you know, besides the toward the end there, this is probably one of my favorite episodes. Uh, I loved seeing Moira and June um, and we get a sense of how moira feels about luke but i also wonder if it's because she's feeling maybe a little bit jealous that her friend is being taken away um mm-hmm. and so we get to see that backstory and but at, at the same time it's we see flashbacks and then we see current time and moira's trying so hard to get june on that boat because june doesn't want to leave because she wants to find janine she wants to stay for hannah but moira's all like look you're hurt uh, if Janine's somewhere, she's here, we can go find her here, and you need to get better, and then we'll find Hannah. So she really convinces her. She does everything she can to get her on that boat. And she kind of risks everything. Her, her Moira's relationship with her girlfriend, or somewhat girlfriend, and their whole efforts of mm-hmm. helping people, all of that is put at risk. Um, but she does get her on board and there they have a really emotional conversation and june is upset because she says you know you tricked me getting me on here um and she feels um a lot of anguish because she doesn't have hannah with her and she doesn't and janine i
1: felt like
0: yes yes i agree i agree um but she's wondering how she's ever going to face luke right because she doesn't have her daughter and it's just weighing heavy on her And then we also see June and Luke and their backstory and their conversation about their vows and expectations, because June is worried that, what if she can't get pregnant? This is, of course, before she's pregnant with Hannah. And so she wonders, and he says, "Uh, no, you're never going to disappoint me. And she says, but there's a line. And I thought, oh. Watching this over again, I thought, oh, <laughs> that right. comes to play later on. Of course, at that time, we're thinking, oh, yeah, you say that, right? You're in a relationship, everything seems fine. Uh, yeah. But after that, she finds herself pregnant and uh, she is so thrilled. They are both so thrilled. It was so nice to see them so happy and, uh, you know, anticipating a child and and having a child. So I I really enjoyed seeing all of that. I thought it was really important to see all of that, where they're at, because it does play a part as to where, you know, how this has impacted June Mm -hmm. and how much people change. Um, So on the boat, there's a lot that goes on in the boat, Um with uh, Una and her crew and and Moira fighting to keep uh, not turning in June. And there's all that that goes back and forth. And so um, they pass uh, Gilead inspection. And so they're safely on their way to Canada. But June really worries about seeing... Uh, Luke and his uh, reaction, and she feels just really, really bad. I mean, she's so she's crying, she sobs so much, and I'm right there with her. Uh, being a mother, I, I just, I know, I understand how she feels about that. Even if you're not a parent, right. you still can uh, understand what it feels like. And so um, they finally uh, dock, and she waits there, and you can hear Luke's steps um come on board and looking for her. Oh gosh. And then he opens the door and he sees her. And at first they're both so um excited and joyful, but then you see June's expression change, and then Luke's expression changes, like, why does she have this look on her face? What's she mm-hmm. feeling? What she's ex- what is she experiencing? And it's because she apologizes and says, I'm so sorry, I don't have her. I don't have Hannah. That gives me chills. It's like <laughs> Yes, because it, it was very moving, because you don't know what's in someone else's head. You don't you don't really know until they voice it. So he has no idea what she's feeling, and she has no idea what he's feeling until they actually say it. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a very, very emotional uh, episode for a lot of people.
1: I also felt like, though, like it was the first time in a long time that I had real hope of what could come next. Yeah. You know, and sort of like, Mm -hmm. moving on, of course, you can't really move on. But you know, yeah, yeah. Like what the next thing would look like.
0: That's so true. I have to say Moira was so emotional and passionate that I thought if something happens to me, I want someone like her looking for me. Totally.
1: She is ride or die. Yes. Like, yeah.
0: I love that about her. I love I love that friendship and I love that type of friendship and that type of love. So, um, I just I, I really appreciated seeing that uh, bond between both of them. And um, likewise. It was such a great episode.
1: Yeah. And so then, so it's season, or sorry, episode seven is called Home, right? So now June gets off the boat and says the words like, I seek asylum in the country of Canada. And it was like, let's have a party, right? Like, you're just, and it was one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, this is where the episode is starting, right? (laughs) Like, it was so gratifying to hear those words, you know? Yes. So then she and Luke go to a hotel room, And he orders Like everything on the menu She eats nothing Showers and like sleeps for days And what's interesting though Is like in the shower You can see all her bruises And it's just reminding us Like she might be in this hotel In this fluffy white robe But like this is far from gone You know So Essentially, I mean, I felt like, you know, then she wakes up and they have such strained conversation, like their dynamic was painful to watch, you know, and it's, it's just so uncomfortable. Like, he tries to apologize and reassure her that she's a good mom. And she's like, no, like, you know, and she thinks about her interaction With Hannah in this glass box, but can't bring herself to say to him, like, she had no idea who I was. You know, that first of all, she even saw Hannah that close to when she, you know, escaped, but also that Hannah had no idea who she was. So they're having this strained conversation. And then it cuts to seeing like Moira and Emily at June's house or at Luke's house in Canada With Nicole. So Nicole is the baby of Nick and June, but Luke has really taken this child like it's Hannah, which is also a really weird dynamic. Like it, nobody seems to be addressing the fact that like, can we talk about whose kid this actually is? Because (laughs) this is weird, you know? (laughs) So eventually Luke and June, go back to their house, and, you know, they're talking to Rita and Moira and Emily, and and Rita basically tells June about Serena's baby, and that Serena and Fred are in Canada, and, like, June is like, okay, you know, like, you can see the wheels turning in her head, you know? (laughs) So... Whose is it, she says. Right, exactly. Is she asks her question. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the agent, the government agent who also debriefed June, uh, June calls him and says, I want to see Serena. So he arranges for her to see Serena. Serena is her same old self, you know, and June just let's it out. And it was like so gratifying. You know, it was, she's like, you know, let me tell you how much I hate you. You know, like you don't, oh, Serena says like, I want to make amends and all this stuff. And and June's like, you don't deserve to make amends. There's no one less worthy of redemption than you. I was like, yes, go. You know, like you just didn't want her to stop talking. It was so good. So then, you know, Serena's crying. June just doesn't let it stop. And what's most interesting is, like, right after that, June goes home and has sex with Luke. But it's this really sort of disturbing sex scene because it's really aggressive. Luke is like, hang on a minute. And June, like, puts her hand over his mouth and, like, goes to town. You know, all of a sudden, like, she's the aggressor. And it's still... Super disturbing and, right. you know, trauma filled on every level. You know, and then separately, I I don't know how you said like Twello or the oh yes Canadian Mark. agent yeah. yeah. So he the one who I think is really the father of Serena's baby. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. I thought that for a moment too right. earlier <laughs> on before yeah. we found out. But I thought <gasps> could he be the. I totally thought it was him. I did too. So he then basically tries to get Serena to get Fred to cooperate because the Canadian government is looking at them like a conduit. Even though June really wants them to prosecute them, the Canadian government is looking at the big picture, right? And June can only see her own trauma and rightfully so. You know, so. At the end of the episode, basically, Serena goes, um, you know, so Serena wasn't really into turning Fred. Then after the interaction with June, Serena's like, we're in trouble. I got to get Fred on our side. So Serena goes to see Fred and is like, you know, I need you. And basically now they're working to work with the Canadian government. So that brings us to the next episode called Testimony. And this is when, you know, June appears. So there's a confirmation hearing for Fred. And it's this international criminal court that's sort of the precursor to a trial. So June didn't have to appear in person, but she wanted to. She didn't want Luke to go. Hmm. Fast forward, she goes... And so does Luke. So she is sitting on the stand, pleading her case in a very eerie sort of like matter of fact tone, running through the laundry list of things that happened to her. And, you know, June basically says, like, I want him prosecuted to the full extent of the law at the maximum penalty and all of these things. And Luke is sort of hearing all these things. For the first time, but not really the first time, but really the first time. And then at some point, Fred's attorney is able to question June on the stand at this hearing. And he starts to bring up the fact that when Luke and June first started their relationship, Luke was married. And so it starts to question June's credibility. And now it's like, oh, no, here – it's like traumatizing all over again. And then also, can we talk about like outside the courthouse, like how many supporters were there? I, crazy I couldn't people. That was like yeah. disturbing too. It was.
0: I agree. I was like, oh, but there's always somebody. Right. <laughs> there's always supporters somewhere.
1: I mean, so crazy. So then separate, right? There's a little bit of a storyline for Emily. And so there's like this support group of former – handmaids and Martha's and all the people who were in Gilead who are now in Canada and they meet at a library and there's this woman who shows up there and Emily is like visibly shaken. And so everybody like kicks this woman out. Turns out Emily shares with June that this was, that woman is, was aunt Irene. Mm -hmm. And the reason why Emily was mutilated. So, June really encourages her, encourages Emily to like, you know, stand up to her and say what you want to say and do all these things. And Emily really struggles with that. But then at the next meeting, everybody had voted that Aunt Irene, who showed up, could stay. Emily says a few things to her and, you know, is not so nice and then decides like maybe we should have a conversation. So they had scheduled a meet and Emily drives up and sees... Irene hanging from a tree. And Emily is basically like, I hope I had something to do with it. And we really see, like to me, that was like for somebody who seems so timid, like Emily, you know, and like soft spoken. It was like, everybody's getting their voice back. Everybody. And you can see the extent of their hurt that they're happy with that. You know, it's sort of this crazy thing. And then, at the end, there's sort of a, uh, um. there's, it takes us back to Gilead. And basically, Janine has been found. Janine is returned to Gilead, to Aunt Lydia. And Janine just says to Aunt Lydia, like, please don't make me a handmaid again. And Aunt Lydia just hugs her and starts crying. But now Commander Lawrence has said to Aunt Lydia, like, you need an outlet for your anger. Here you go. I know. And And then she's just hugging her and crying. It's like it, it is so confusing, <laughs> you know, but it is it, you just realize, I think, like the craziness of this world and how conflicted in any given moment every character could be.
0: I know I wondered about the, see, that's why I'm always on the fence with Commander Lawrence. Mm-hmm. sometimes he says one thing, but he never. I don't know. I don't know what he's really thinking half the time. And so I thought, what could she do? What is she going to do to Janine? I don't know. I'm afraid. But uh, yeah. But I think Aunt Lydia, in her way, cares for Janine. So I'm glad that she didn't harm her, like physically harm her. Of course, she wants to send her back to. Be a handmaid. So that's still not good, but I get it. Well, I don't get it, but
1: (laughs) I I understand
0: what she's doing. Yeah. So then in episode nine, Progress, June tells Luke about the last time she saw Hannah because she thought, okay, I just need to come clean now. And so um, and then now he wants to get her back. He gets so excited. And uh, so they call Commander Lawrence uh, we also see that Janine is scrubbing floors by Aunt Lydia in the vicinity. And we see a young handmaiden uh, who's in trouble. And uh, I think she won't eat or she's misbehaving. Well, she's not following the rules. But we, we really don't see her quite yet until Aunt Lydia lifts her head. And we see that it's uh, Esther Keys. So, mm-hmm. the young woman from the beginning. So, that was really interesting seeing her. We're like, oh my gosh. And so, Janine sees what's happening. And so, she goes to Aunt Lydia and says, okay, these are all the things that she's been through. Um, I think I can help her uh, with how uh, Janine feels that would be the best for her survival. So, um, Aunt Lydia says, okay. Um, I'll give her a chance. And so Janine goes and talks to Esther and says, offers her advice on how to survive. Um, So I feel like Janine is feeling a purpose too of what, of how she's going to survive now that she's back being a handmaid. And meanwhile, Luke suggests to June that she contacts Nick to help them free Hannah. And then Mark tells June that Fred is trading Gilead info for his freedom. And that is where June flips out and says, he's an effing rapist. I'm going to kill you. And Luke has to hold her back as she's, screaming into the screen, Uh, but Mm -hmm. I was right there with her. You could feel the rage because you're like, what? He's getting loose after everything she said that he did to her and everyone else. And now you're just kind of giving him a free pass because he's giving you information. It just doesn't make you feel valued as Mm -hmm. a person, as a woman
1: at all. And so I... It feels like the same thing all over again. Like, they had no voice in Gilead, and now her voice still doesn't matter, even in Canada.
0: Right. So it was—I was so right there with her, and I was loving that all. And I love Elizabeth Moss. (laughs) She's so incredible. She's so um, good at portraying what you're feeling inside. So um, just kudos to her and her acting. But I did want to point out Luke and June's conversation— when Mm -hmm. he goes in to talk to her about asking Nick, uh, that was so intense. I didn't know what each person was thinking, because you can see the intensity. You can see June, uh, her eyes welling up with tears Mm -hmm. as he was talking, as she was talking. So you know there was so much underlying uh, thoughts and emotion that were underneath the words that they were saying. And, you know, it made me wonder what sh- what they were actually thinking because Luke is asking her, go to Nick and ask him. And she thought, okay, I'll call him. And he's like, uh-uh, I think you should go talk to him in person. And she's thinking, he wants me to go see him in person? And then he says, oh, and take Nicole with you. And so I wondered,
1: I wondered what... Well, so to me at that point, it was like... Does Luke realize that's Nicole's dad? And then it was like, no, he knows that that is Nicole's dad. And so by bringing Nicole, it will entice him to help them re- capture Hannah because he'll feel that bond and be like, yeah, I yeah. really should help you. But part of me also was like, do you not realize that they like really had a love affair separate from, you know, the formalities of their dynamic?
0: I don't know that he knows that, right? Yeah, I
1: don't think he does.
0: Because she would have to say, "Oh, I I fell in love with him," right? And he would have to say, "Do you still love him?" Right, <laughs> so right. I don't know. I now I know that Luke must know that they're on friendly terms because he's brought information that Nick has right. given her. So, I think he knows something is up between them. But, but I think he's so desperate. And being a father, you want to do everything you can to bring your daughter home. And if that means putting June and Nicole at risk
1: while doing it, I don't know. I don't know that he really thought she would be at risk. I think he felt like it's putting Nick more at risk. Yeah, that's true. Because it's Nick coming. Right. Like, I don't remember when June and Nick meet. I don't remember where they are.
0: Yeah, I don't know where they're at either. But I'm always worried when they meet, wherever she meets anybody, where are they? And can someone come in and get her? That's my thought every time she's meeting with somebody. I thought, what land are they on? Now, if they are in Canada, okay, that seems safe. But what if they're not? Are they in some portion of the land that's not owned by anybody or watched by anybody? It just makes me wonder... Especially in this, in Gilead, where I feel like everybody's always watching you. I feel like Big Brother, right? Totally. I, I feel like everything can be watched or looked at. I'm surprised it's not more than that, that they, that they don't have cameras all right. over the place watching <laughs> yeah. what people are doing. So I just, I just felt this intensity and I felt like he was asking a lot and that's why she was teary eyed. I thought, I mean, sure, it's putting Nick at risk
1: too, but I don't think that that's what, I think she's also trying to figure out, like, is she going to have to say to him, like, I saw her and she had no idea who I was. And she was afraid of me, not afraid of them. Mm. So for me to try to get her to come here is a whole lot bigger than what you think it is. Right. You know, but she's still I don't know that she she ever tells him that.
0: Well, not yet. Right. 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 Ay, ay, ay. It was, all I know is this, it was a super intense conversation. And I yeah. was right there, like trying to read what they were, their eyes were saying and how they yeah. were feeling and trying to guess, you know, what, what they were really feeling and why they were having those emotions. And uh, we also, of course, see June and Nick and their relationship and her driving there and, and, and meeting him and him seeing his child and and thinking to myself, I wonder, I mean, he gave her a doll. I know he loves her. But I'm thinking, is he, like, happy that, I'm sure he is happy. But I wonder what his emotions are of being a father. I mean, he knows that um, Luke is watching his daughter, taking care mm-hmm. of his daughter. And so it makes me wonder his role as being a, a father, how how he feels about that. But they do kiss passionately. And I don't know that she really kisses luke like that i don't no, you know it's very different anymore. but i do want to say about those relationships i feel like with luke the relationship she has with him is kind of like real life it's like how things are but with uh, nick they're still living in this world that's different mm-hmm. so if if for some reason nick came over to canada would that relationship really survive? Because he would be a different person, right? There wouldn't be that um, common secrecy. enemy, yeah. See that, <laughs> and that secrecy, and, and and both experiencing all that life too, that brings people closer too.
1: Well, right. I was going to say, like, I actually think you know that shared history and the fact that they understand what the other has been through, like the fact that Luke really doesn't understand, right, right, is such a big piece of. You know, where they're challenged. Yes, it is. It, It does.
0: Okay, let's go into episode 10, which is the finale. And there's so much to cover. So in this episode, we see that June is struggling to come to terms with the deal that was made with Fred that will set him free. And she just can't wrap her head around it at all. And she tells Emily that a good mother would just let it go but she can't let it go right and later on she tells her that she just wants to see fred be in fear be afraid just like she was afraid and so that's kind of her goal throughout Mm -hmm. uh this episode and uh luke tries to tell her you know, comfort her the best way that he can. Okay, look what we have. You're here. Nicole's here. It's a miracle. Let's be, you know, grateful for this. And then Moira is, is, you know, outraged that they're letting Fred out. And she's, ah, oh, you can go to Geneva and go to the press and tell everybody what's happening. You know, so everybody has, you know, how they are feeling about this. But June mm-hmm. is like, ah, I got to... I got to do something. This is not sitting right with me. So she visits Fred, and I couldn't help but think, how is she staying composed? How is she playing this part with him in front of her? I mean, she has done it at Gilead, but she had to. And here, uh, she's really restraining herself on what she could say and do. But through that restraint, she learns more about
1: Fred. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I think, like, I just feel like she has, you know, June always has a plan, right? And so I feel like her meeting with Fred was a means to an end. yeah. And so she could hold it together because it was a means to an end. Like, she had a plan, and this was part of the plan.
0: Yeah. It is, but you see her lip, too, right? Because you can tell on her lip when she's getting (laughs) irritated or outraged. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so she's playing the part. She keeps playing the part. But I think... Uh, A revelation for her was when he said he was sorry. And she said, oh, I never thought I'd hear you say that. Mm -hmm. And I also read, I think, from the uh, showrunner that that was sort of a turning point for June because she's like, oh, you understand that you did something wrong. You understand that this is wrong, but you still did it. And so it makes it it even more messed up. Yes, exactly. So that's when she's like, ah, oh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> all gloves are off. And, and then he has the gall to say, I miss her. And she's like, who? And he's all off oh, red. And then she's all, Oh yeah, I miss her too. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was killing me. I'm like, this guy. And so I think he's thinking. Oh yeah, she still really has a thing for me underneath. She really does because he's just a, such a narcissist.
1: Well, you do know, you think so. too that I'm trying to remember the actual words around his I'm sorry. Like I could also picture it as his I'm sorry being more of like I'm sorry we're here now in this situation rather than I'm sorry for everything that I've done to you. But she hears, you know, I don't I can't remember yeah. the exact he I don't know. didn't he didn't say he was sorry for everything, but he said
0: he knows he played a part. And for that, he was sorry or something to that effect. Yeah. But really, that's because now he got caught. Right. right. But he does know what he did had some. Yeah. Effects, because even Fred and Serena talking, he will say certain things like, yeah, I know, you know, I wasn't the best husband at times and but now i want to be a father and blah 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 so he knows what he's doing he's just totally it's all about him so with that being said june is like it's just driving her over the edge here so she on the way home she tells luke she wants fred on the wall and luke tries to tell her something else and she's all i want him on the wall so then she ambushes mark and arrange. I mean, sorry, Luke doesn't even know what that means. By the way, <laughs> like I would hope that someone told him what that means. Right. Yeah, but yeah, I can see because he hasn't experienced it. Uh, so June ambushes Mark because she wants to see Commander Lawrence. This is where everything really starts to heat up, and everything's just moving along. So Lawrence knows the whereabouts of 12 women who are part of the resistance, and are presumed dead. And that's when June questions uh, Mark and tells him, you know, these 12 women are worth more than Fred, right? So she convinces him of that. And so when Fred prepares to leave for Geneva, what kills me is he's so happily like putting on his gloves, like, oh, I'll be a free man, he tells Serena, I'll be Come home. I'll be a dad and a father and that they'll be happy. And, and then Serena had the gall to ask all these things or make demands, not ask. She demanded all these things from Mark that she wants a, a house big enough for her family. She wants security. She wants people to address, uh, Fred as commander that that woman is being, you know, disrespectful. Oh, my gosh. Wait till you see what comes next, Serena. Mm -hmm. So as um, Fred walks out, uh, Mark, of course, escorts him out and uh, tells him that he isn't going to Geneva and the ICC has ruled him unfit for leniency and now is in his custody. And Fred flips out and says, I'm a man. I have rights. Oh, my gosh. That that. That line just killed me, just killed me. But exactly what he thinks in all the men of Gilead, well, not all of them, but almost all of them think. And so then Mark transfers custody of Fred to Commander Lawrence as the 12 women are released to Canada. And you see this visually. You see the bridge. You see where it says U.S. You see where it says Canada. And then you see the women walking towards Canada and you see... Mark escorting uh, Fred across the bridge. And on the other side of the bridge is Commander Lawrence. And they exchange some words. And Fred says, hey, I'm not going to apologize. And and Commander Lawrence's expressions just crack me up. He's so funny. Uh, because he doesn't really, s- he says the right thing, the right, like, Gilead talk. But he doesn't mean it. Or Exactly. You know, it, it's just, he's just saying it. Uh, But it, you know, doesn't have any conviction on it. And so then Nick arrives and says the eyes will take over. And then Fred tries to plead with Nick and keeps calling him son. Son, you know, this is wrong. Son, where are you taking me? Come on, Nick. Come on, son. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I I couldn't take it. I was glad that Nick just didn't say a a damn word. Right. And so
1: at least he knew enough to just say nothing.
0: Yes. And so they, uh, it's nighttime now, and Nick takes Fred to the woods. And then we see June emerge. Mm -hmm. And Fred's like, not kind of confused. I think he doesn't know what to expect. And we see June walk over to Nick, and she lays this big fat kiss on him. And uh, Fred's all, this is sick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right, buddy. There's been a lot more uh, sickness on your end. I'm like,
1: really? This is where you decide to use the word sick? Like, it's just even how twisted he is, you know? Right. And so
0: uh, June uh, gives him a choice and shows him a gun. And I couldn't see what the other thing was, but I believe it was the whistle, if I'm correct, because... I think you're right. Because she says, Oh, you didn't make a choice. So she pulls a whistle to her mouth and blows it. And that is when you see all these flashlights emerge from the darkness with women behind them, which I assume is uh, um, all handmaids and Martha's, possibly. Yeah. And so uh, she looks at him and she says, Run. And he turns and he runs, and they chase after him. It's in slow motion. Music is playing, and she's going-
1: chasing him. Like it's not, you know, like she is. Like I'll give you a ten. Se-. Like it reminded me of like kids when they're like, I'll give you a ten second head start, and she's like. Every fiber of her being is going after him. Yes. Yes. Okay. Chills again.
0: I got chills again because that's exactly what it is. Every fiber of her being is chasing him along with all those women and seeing them going down the hillside. And then he falls. And then she pounces on him and she starts beating him and all the women come. Emily comes Mm -hmm. and she starts beating him and then they all come and he's beaten to death to a pulp. And mm-hmm. it's ours because they don't emerge till the next morning, which is crazy. Yeah. And the next thing we see is uh, a delivery person who has mail uh, walks up to, I think, the doors of where Serena is at. So he checks the mail first. And he opens it and he dumps it out and a wedding ring comes out and then a finger comes out Mm -hmm. and he freaks out the guy, poor guy. He's like, oh, my God, (laughs) poor male guy. (laughs) I know, exactly. And so we don't see what happens after that. We can only speculate what's going to happen with Serena and when she finds out. But then we see June go home. And she's covered in blood, and she goes to Nicole. She picks her up. She tells her how much she loves her. She's hugging her. And, of course, Luke wanders in from, you know, half asleep. And, of course, he sees all the blood on June. She says, I'm sorry. And give me five minutes. And he just slides down knowing I, I really think he knows what has happened and he can't believe it. And he just has this realization on his face and, and it pains me for him and for her because I kind of feel like it's a point of no return. I don't mm-hmm. know, but it's just, um, it's heartbreaking actually. It really is.
1: I have chills as you're saying that. Cause it, I mean, it makes me wonder like what's coming next, right. With season five and, and, what that's going to be, but it's it, for them, for Nick, for Lou, like, all the people. Yeah. So what did you
0: think of this season, and what do you hope for the next season?
1: So, admittedly, like I said before, like, I think at certain parts of this season, I was like, enough already. Like, before, you know, when they were, it was like the second or third time when they she was sent back to Gilead. I'm like, I can't take it anymore. Like, we need to move on. Like, this is torture. And the other interesting thing about this whole thing is like this – the original book, right, is it this dystopian society mostly focused on the role of women in society. And it came out – the first season came out at a time where it felt way too close to reality. And then as things in real world were shifting, right, it was sort of like, okay, we can keep watching. And then all of a sudden – Not that this happened at the same moment, but in thinking back about it, like, it's almost too close to reality again when you see, and I don't want to get political at all, but like when you see like Bill Cosby is released and all these other big figures who are accused of things and we don't know what's going to happen and how they're treated and how these women are treated who are coming forward and all, it's like... If they don't show us in that world that there can be true – um I don't know that you can ever have justice, but repercussions through the proper channels, right? Like it, it, the way this ended, the only way for June to feel – validated and vindicated of what her experience was, was to take matters into her own hands and do something that is so unfathomable in a lot of ways that like, if they don't pull it back to something that happens through the proper channels, it's like too close to reality. Like, I think it's a scary place to put us.
0: Yes. I see what you're saying. Oh my
1: goodness. I don't know, but like I could also then see like going on the characters, like I could see Nick ending up in Canada and, you know, there being like this love triangle and what happens with Nicole and, you know, I I don't know. Yeah, because
0: Nicole's still a baby, but she only knows right now Luke uh, as a father figure.
1: And I wonder if Serena will end up, you know, wonder what will happen with Serena? Like is she going to end up turning and testifying to try to save herself yes right like you know
0: who knows right that's what I love there's so much to look forward to and we don't know what will happen and what direction it will go in Uh, I have like I said earlier I saw the big shift in uh, June and Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm scared for her and I and I wonder what will this do because when moira when they when they were at that um therapy session that mm-hmm. moira was leading i understood moira i understood her stance but everybody else was on the opposite side but is that because moira wasn't there that long and she still has a certain mentality where all the other women have experienced such brutality that they're they've they've gone A certain um, Mm -hmm. to a certain point that they can't return, because sometimes I think, okay if you kill somebody, even though they were horrible to you, can you survive that? That's got to change you that that at your hand, something happens. So I worry about that because I didn't want even though I wanted her to to get uh, revenge. I at her hand. Yeah, it was a little bit bothersome to me. And I, I just worried about it. Um, so I wonder how she'll, she will come out on the other side. Yeah. Um, it You know, it's different if she caused um, something to happen. Like if she caused him to go over there and then they took care of him and he died, I would have been like, yeah, she got justice or she got it. But it was, you Them. know, she didn't do it. it they did it. But no, she took it into her own hands. But that's what she's been wanting this whole season. So I think yeah. she got what she wanted this season. I hope, I hope that's what she, uh, you know, I don't know. She may come to realize that isn't what she wanted. Uh, because well, I now think it's that's a- just
1: it. I mean, I think ultimately, like, she would have rather gone to trial and seen him prosecuted and then suffer. You know, this was, I think, the last resort to try to. Feel Do it the right way, feel heard, even you know. Yeah, yeah, like I think in an ideal scenario, she was everything she shared and everything she went through, you know, prosecuted more than just him, and you know, helped you know with all of these women and everything that all these people have been through. And I mean, to me, the way it ended was like the last resort for her to feel any kind of peace and sleep at night. Right, which is also crazy.
0: Yeah. Oh man, it was heavy. Yeah, a very heavy season. I'm looking forward to season five. I'm wondering what will happen with Hannah. I know that's got has to be, you know, where we're headed. Wh- what's going to happen now? H- Hannah was very young, but she was old enough to know her parents. So I still feel like it. It wouldn't be that. I mean, sure, it'll be an adjustment, but I still feel like they need to try and get her back. It's not like she was a baby and doesn't know anybody at all.
1: I Yes, but then I also, so I don't know if this is real, but but like, you know, my parents got divorced when I was five. I have memories of them being married and I have memories of them living in separate homes. So I think our brains, like, turn off to protect us. So it wouldn't surprise me if Hannah's little brain completely blacked out anything before Gilead in an effort to just survive. I don't know if that's real. I don't know if that's what they have written, (laughs) you know, but like it wouldn't surprise me at all. And then what do you do? Like it could be interesting if Everybody from Gilead is released, right? And all these kids end up in, in Canada, and then they're doing DNA tests. And then a DNA test says, Hannah, these are your parents or something. And then trying to reacclimate her into their family. Right. I mean, I couldn't even imagine. But
0: without just that trauma and tra- you know adjustment aside, but what is Hannah's life? She's happy right now, but she's a child. What happens when she becomes a young woman? Is her life right. going to be like the others? So why would you want to let your child stay there and and live that life either? You wouldn't. So it's that's all hard. It's hard no matter what because of everything yeah. that has happened. Her life is going to be hard one way
1: or the other. And so. it's it's also unclear. I don't remember from the book what will happen to those kids. How would they determine who becomes a wife and who becomes a handmaid? Right. Because so before. There were rules of like why somebody became one and the other, but when there's kids in this environment, I don't remember what that, Mm. what that was. Let's hope it doesn't get there. Yeah. I think season five is the last season, or if it's not officially the last season, the internet would like it to be the last season. (laughs)
0: It's probably good. I mean, I love it. I love it so much. But yeah, you can only take so much torture of somebody for so long. And then it's like, okay, let's move on. But I want to see what happens with Aunt Lydia because she is one of those characters. She's so good at her her role, too, the, the actress on there. She's so good because I really can't stand her. And that just says how good she is at what she does. Totally. And so... She's amazing. Yeah. And I just and I hope, hope she gets her comeuppance. So, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That was amazing. I love that conversation. Thanks, Jen.
1: Thank you. We can. And, you tell me the next TV show. I'm in. We'll do okay. it. Okay, <laughs> that sounds
0: great. I really appreciate uh, all your input, all your knowledge, all your insights. You made me think about things that I hadn't thought about, which I love. Oh, so thank thanks. you so much for that. Uh, thanks for joining me today. And do you want to let people know where they can find you? Sure.
1: So all the social media platforms, I'm at Jen J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. My podcast is Salad with a Side of Fries. So wherever you're listening now, we're there. You could search my name or Salad With, and you'll find it, <laughs> but it's Salad <laughs> with a Side of Fries. Thank you.
0: Yes. Please check her podcast out and I will have it in the show notes. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you, gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. We'll be uploading a new episode in a couple of weeks. Next show will be on coming of age films. So look for that. We'll be back with The Walking Dead season 11 in the fall. You can find our website listed in our show notes. See you next time. Bye.